Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path. I'm really excited to introduce you to someone this week. So I first spoke to this person through LinkedIn uh, as he was a former pupil of someone who came on our podcast. So I first spoke to Jack Beattie on the 24th of March 2021. We'd had a few conversations on LinkedIn and as life does kind of just takes away itself. So this is kind of like a, a really exciting podcast for me because it's one that we've been trying to get arranged for a while so Jack great to have you on um just start by giving us a bit of an intro to who you are so yeah um I'm Jack Beattie at the age of 13 I was excluded from mainstream education I found myself in a PRU in Houghton Regis the Academy of Central Bedfordshire um that really really did turn my life around uh, I spent about two years there from there, I ended up in um, another STEM school called Oak Bank in Leighton Buzzard, which was a lot better funded, a lot better staffed. And uh, I think really I can attribute to my, my, my success to both them, both them educational providers. Brilliant. OK, so let's go straight. Let's go back to back to the beginning of Jack's um, journey through education. So how was your how were your your years in primary? So with primary, I was always different. I always struggled. There was never, I don't think there was a year of school where my mum hadn't had to come in and get me early or come in and speak to my teacher. But I think through years one to four, they hadn't actually identified that there was a problem. I was just kind of marked up as a naughty child. And then when we got into middle school education, um, that had continued, but it had got worse and suspensions become a lot more uh, common. I was on uh, report cards constantly. I, I found myself constantly locking horns with teachers simply because they didn't understand how to get through to me and I didn't understand that their way of speaking to me. So because of that, we had this constant conflict. And in about year seven, um, one of the pastoral care officers at my middle school referred me to the HCB and I was going there once a week to take part in their catering provision under the supervision of these teachers that you know trained in SEN education and there was an immediate improvement I I, I, I focused more in these lessons I, I seemed to connect more with with this form of education um, then I moved up to Redbourne Upper and the problems just all started again um, there was no no way of me focusing my energy. I was, yet again, locking horns with teachers, constantly sat in front of the head, my head of year. Um, then I, I don't know if I had a complex about me, but I'd start to challenge everything that was put before me by my head of year. But I think in the end, it was just, I was unstatemented. There was no formal piece of paper saying, this is why Jack behaves the way he does. This is what we need to do. So ultimately, Redbourne ended up taking the option to permanently exclude me okay and so as a you mentioned there locking horns uh, with teachers a few times so what typically would you would you lock horns with what would what would kind of cause that locking of horns well I, I've been diagnosed ODD so I've got a lot of problems with um, direct authority this you will do this you shall do this instead of can you do this? Which has been proven to work a lot better anyway. But um, I'd lock horns with anything, anything 
remotely authoritative. If I didn't want to do something, I just got to the point where I knew there was going to be an argument. So I would just walk out, wouldn't do it. And that wasn't good for my, my education. It wasn't good for my mental health. But it was what was happening. And I would say almost daily. I think I, I was in Redbourne for six months. Um, in the last two months, I was suspended, I think, three times. And there was there was no way they could keep me. And there was no way I could stay there anymore. And it was, yeah, there was no, there was no hard feelings when they got rid of me. I, I knew what was going to happen. Obviously, there was the anger from parents and teachers. But I, I knew... That, that 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 was not right for me. I knew that I could be achieving so much more, but I wasn't being allowed to because I wasn't being allowed to to focus my energies and channel them in a positive way. Okay. And yeah, I, you know, it's, 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 you know, I speak to a lot, of, a lot of schools and I can kind of relate to some of what you're saying through my own experiences, I suppose, through school that I think there's, there's so much work that can uh, there's so much work that is being done by um some amazing people in education to really change the way a lot of things are done within within mainstream but you know there's still so much work to be done but i i do think there is there is change and it is it is starting to appear so you're you're publicly excluded from school so like um, interestingly you said there was no hard feelings from yourself so you obviously felt that it was the right thing i'm guessing at the time so that first day correct me if I'm wrong, at um, ACB, that was your first AP that you went to. The first day that you walked into that AP, des- describe that kind of, how, how that went. So that was probably one of the scariest days of my life. Um, obviously, I'd already been doing the one session a week there a year prior, but to be told I'm going there full time, you do, in, in, in mainstream education, these schools are used as a threat sometimes. You get this if you don't behave, you'll end up in the ACB, and you you are chalk. It's chalked up to be like a prison. They're like, oh my god, oh you're locked in all the classrooms, and the teachers have permission to put their hands on you, and it was used as a threat. So when I did walk through the doors, I, I was scared. There's no point in saying I wasn't, and getting patted down and metal detected as you go through a door that immediately, you know, that immediately raises your heartbeat, raises your your anxiety levels, but. I, I went in, I had my induction, and I can remember it clear as day. It was um, a different head teacher at the time, and he took me to the side room, um, explained to me what was going to happen, what my classes would be, what my class size would be, because obviously in, in a PRU, the class size is drastically different. We're going from a, a 30, 40-person class in Redbourne to uh, f- five people at the most in the ACB at the time I was there. So I had it all explained to me, all laid out. It, it was foolproof. It was all laid out in a structured way. Uh, explained to me, well, this is where you'll be at this time. This is where you'll be at that time. Um, it was obviously put to me that there is a number of pupils there with with issues that range much, you know, a lot higher up on the spectrum and a lot lower down on the spectrum. So there could be disruption to lessons, but you're best to just mind your own business and kind of let the teachers deal with that when it comes because the you know these people have a, di- a different range of problems okay so then yes like you say that that kind of um probably made you kind of aware i suppose where, where you were the type of environment you're in so then meeting the new pupils how, how did you find that how was how was that experience 
Well, coming from where I was and going to the ACB, oh, we come from very different backgrounds, me and a lot of the pupils there. I was the only um, rural pupil at the time. Everyone else was from the neighbour, the, the town where the ACB was at the time, Houghton Regis and Dunstable, a lot more of an urban environment. Um, and we, 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 there was obviously a total culture clash, total culture clash. There was no arguments and we got on fine, but it was eye-opening for, for, for me and for them because it was a total different way of life uh, from the way they speak to the, the way they're dressed. And, but I needed that. I needed a bit more different, um, sorry, a bit more difference in my education because I, the, the uniformity of mainstream didn't work out for me. Okay, so then moving on from the, the pupils, obviously a massive part of the school, the teachers. How, how did you, how did you suddenly find, like when, when we were recruiting in special ed, you know, one of them like, main characteristics around staff who this is the same as education but i'm purely talking about sen ap improves now is the ability of a, a person to engage with learners who have additional needs whether it be odd add adhd or autism you know whatever it might be so how did you find that that engagement from your teacher in your new school versus your previous school I think straight away the difference was just in the way you spoke to. Everyone was obviously had a personalised care plan and you could see in practice a different TA talking to one pupil in a different way to another. Some people needed it more direct, I needed it a lot more soft and it, it happened. It went from you will do this, you must do this to look Jack can you do that, Jack can you do that and if I needed to say actually I can't do that there was the ability to do so without causing a massive row. We'd look at why. Why are you unhappy to do this task? Why are you unhappy to go to this lesson? Instead of just immediately, well, that's a detention, that's a suspension. You know, sometimes a lot of mainstream education, and I don't want to stereotype it, and I don't want to generalise it, but a lot of mainstream education, their first line of defence will be punishment. Whereas if you look at the way the ACB is operating, that was never the first line of defence. It was never straight away, well, you're in the wrong. It was explored in different avenues and it was spoken about. And I think I think openness is a big part of um, special needs education at the moment. Mm, I think what one of the, you know, I've got so much respect for, for mainstream and SEN. One of the massive, massive challenges, obviously, mainstream have are like you've touched on the class numbers you know you know if you've got 30 pupils trying to tailor education to those 30 pupils is very different to tailoring education to, to five pupils so yeah I think um you know what what you said makes makes sense and like I say I think there's I think there's progress in mainstream around being more inclusive I, I really do I see it massively in in primary schools I, I, really doing I'm, I really hope it continues okay so you're at the ACB um I know when we've spoken before you had really positive words to say about 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 them about the difference they made to you so in the time you were there what difference did it make what what difference did that make to Jack so I think the time I was at the ACB I started focusing on my lessons more in my time in mainstream it had already been noticed I, I I was above average in, in English and science and um, history. So the fact I couldn't concentrate in mainstream was really affecting that. So when I started on the ACB, 
being able to start focusing myself and start actually putting the effort into learning and getting myself back on track education-wise, I, I made the progress that I hadn't made in six months in Red Bull and I'd made in about two months in the English room in the ACB. Um, we had an amazing English teacher. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, a guy called Adrian Escott. And he was he really was uh, an amazing English teacher. He was a hub of knowledge. And he, he could teach a class of six people and teach every different every people in a different way, um, and we'd all come out learning something different in an hour, and it, it it truly was amazing. So it was getting me on the right tracks for when my statement had come in place. That wherever I moved to next, I was ready for that because I was starting to focus again, starting to enjoy learning. Because I think learning becomes a lot easier when you're enjoying it. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's, yeah, you know, hundred um, percent. Okay, cool. So you you spoke about moving on to another school. So at what what age did you leave ACB? So about fourteen, I left. Um, I left the ACB and went on to Oak Bank in Leighton Buzzard, and that is um, at the time. I, I, I don't believe they are anymore. But at the time, Oak Bank and ACB uh, were linked. They were linked schools. Yeah. Um, they were in partnership. Um, Peter Cohen was the, the executive head of both schools. Um, I, I spoke to him that I'm doing this podcast, so he, he knows about all this anyway. But yeah, so he was the um, he was the head of both schools. And because of that, the transition was a lot smoother. Yeah. Because it wasn't like you're going to a whole new school where you don't know anyone. You already knew the executive head. Um, I'd done about four or five separate transition days a whole month before I even started at Oak Bank just to get me used to this new location, this new... Because it's easy, again, it was more different. At Oak Bank, you had to have a statement of educational health in place. Yeah. And the HCP, sorry. Uh, you had to have that in place to go to Oak Bank, but you didn't yeah. the ACB. Yeah. So because of that, there was a lot more funding, a lot more teachers, and a lot more services available. So it was it was an upgrade in a way, but because you had that EHCP in place, there was more funding for you. So it, yeah, again, the class size reduced. We we're going down to two, three people classes. When I started at Oak Bank, it was a one to one staff to pupil ratio. We had eighty pupils and ninety staff. Uh, it's grown a lot since then, but when that that was the level it was at when I was there, there was never a moment where you had to you know, have your have the TA's attention diverted because they had to look after someone else. That never happened. Yeah. Like you say, so basically, yeah, Oak, um, Oak Bank is, for anyone who's listening that doesn't understand special education at all or a alternative provision, so to go to a, an SEN, a special school, you have to have an educational healthcare plan and an alternative provision is to those that don't know the sector particularly is almost like that in between a mainstream and a special if, if you like I think it's the easiest way to whenever I'm trying to describe what what we do cool so you're at Oak Bank so you, obviously you, you said it you described it as a a, a a bit of an upgrade um but obviously not in a negative way to ACB I think I've spoken to uh, the current head at ACB and from my conversations with him I remember talking to him and the passion he had for his school. And I, I remember it. I don't, on those podcasts, I haven't released audio, but I remember him sitting in his chair and getting out of his chair. And you could, you could, he was talking to me while standing up because you could see the passion he has about the school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 
it's, it's the, the people I speak to in SCNAP prove that the passion is 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 so impressive, so impressive. So obviously we're having a we're having a chat today. What I want to know from from you is your you're now um, sitting as someone who's left education. What's your, what would you like to kind of share or get across to, to those about, in, in, in a summary about your experiences through education? What, what do you want to kind of put across? I think I'd like people to realise that, you know, there's a, there is a stigma around special education. It can't be avoided. The, the truth is it is there. But it, it needs to end. It really does. I remember it, when I looked up some of my old schools, all you see is the negativity in the news. You know, and it, don't get me wrong, there was people in these schools that went on to have not so successful futures. It did happen. Um, there was someone in my cooking class in the ACB that's doing you know, 35 to life for manslaughter. It, it does happen. But that shouldn't be what they focus on. They shouldn't focus on one failure when there's five successes surrounding that exact class. Absolutely. And it's, it's upsetting to see. It really is because I think at the end of the day, David, I went on to, to college and the college tutor I went on to, uh, at the time, the head of the course at the time basically told me, looking at my file, we don't know if we're going to want you here. They wouldn't let me do the higher level of the course first, even though I was perfectly qualified to do it. He basically said that he doesn't know if he's got the staff to support me, even though I was perfectly ready to move on with it myself. And I went on and I passed that course with distinction and I proved them wrong. So if if if, they, if, if we're getting six or seven of these successes out of a class of 10, why, why are people focusing on one failure? I think that really, really is quite upsetting. And that's the big stigma around special education at the moment. And it, it, it is, it's horrible. Mm. And again, you can see from the way you just described that how passionate you feel, passionately you feel about that. The, the sad thing is, I think, Jack, in you know, moving, not just talking about education, it, it, you know, at times society almost talks about failure. Those not failures talks about the negativity stuff more than the positive, positive stuff because you know, I could go off on a tangent here about all sorts of stuff, including things like you know media social media like it, it crams that yeah. negative information into people because it, it i don't know it's, it's a bizarre one like you say let's let's start talking about the the positivity so i've got i've got this kind of burning thing in in me that um in in ap improved for example my my and scn as well but in ap improved i talked to a lot of people and a lot of people who have supported people as mentors etc like there's entrepreneurs in these schools that just don't get enough opportunities and that's not school's fault because schools you know schools are there to provide the education and prepare them as much as they can but there's you know there's there's yeah there's so much like potential in these schools as there is mainstream but we're only talking about ap special pro but there's so much potential that just doesn't get opportunity because of what you said people look at where people have been and base their opinions and judgments on that rather than looking why was that person in that school and actually what was that person like when they came to that school versus what that person's like when they leave and actually what they can offer society so cool anyway 
enough on, on, on that kind of stuff but what's your talk to us about what you're doing now talk to us about what your ambitions are what you've achieved what you want to achieve so I went on to um, do my level two public service I've had for the last three years uh, an interested and varied career in public service um, some of which I can't can talk about some of which I can't um, still under certain non-disclosure agreements. But like I say, I, I've had an interesting career just in these three years, but I'm already looking to move into education. Uh, I've been in touch with old teachers of mine. Um, I've been looking at jobs and TAs and such. But at the same time, I think the main goal is I want to get into motivational speaking around SEN schools. I want to be able to go in and talk to the kids and tell them, you can do this. You can succeed and do what you want. Because I've been there, it might have only been three years, but I've done what I want. I've achieved what I'm doing in three years. I've, I've helped people. I've, I've done what I want to do now. So now I want to move on to the next challenge in life. And the next challenge is, can I support, even if I just change one life, even if I just have one kid that's on the cusp, who's just thinking about, could I do this? Could I go forward to succeed? Even if just one of them does well, then I've succeeded. I've done well. Where does that, um, I think I know the answer to this. Where does that, where does that burning desire to make a difference come from? Because if it wasn't for these schools, I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in. If it wasn't for having someone to come up and push me in that direction and tell me, yes, you can do it, actually. Don't listen to them. Yes, you can. You can. If, if it's realistic and you can put your mind to it, you can do that. If it wasn't for people like Jeremy Dodd coming along and, and having that passion... I would. I don't know where I'd be. Maybe I would be one of these statistics. Maybe I would be on 24 hours in police custody. I don't think I would have got to where I am without having someone to just push you and believe in you. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, yeah, the 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 work that people like Jeremy do across the across the country is 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 incredible, isn't it? And I think also the work the pupils do within within the schools you know the teachers do phenomenal jobs but also the pupils like the pupils who you know as as society like people people as adults um you know telling people they can't do things and negative things and and like um shaming i guess like people for not being able to do things that doesn't go on in a workplace so it, it shouldn't go up. It shouldn't go on in your workplace. It, it shouldn't go on in, in, in any education setting either. You know, it shouldn't, shouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, the work that goes, goes on in schools like ACB is incredible. I do think like the, the, the change going on in mainstream is, is massive. And I speak to a lot of people in both sides and I massively, you know, every teacher, I believe that every teacher wants to make a positive impact on a, on a pupil's lives some teachers and education staff have that ability to make a positive impact on everyone in their class because they have a class size of five pupils teachers who have 30 plus it does become really challenging for them and it like one of the things i really want to make clear on this podcast it's never about like um bashing mainstream at all because it's really not because like the 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 one of the major issues for, for me is how um without trying to get too political is how uh schools are judged um sometimes yeah. around league tables and things rather than 
um, let's look at them a bit more individual and like see what kind of cohort they've got, see see where things are and where they're going. But um, yeah, um, yeah, definitely don't want to make this a political podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> um, cool. I, I, I could talk talk all day about about kind of the education side of things, but um, you mentioned you want to um, you want to go in and kind of try and talk to pupils and help them make a positive change. So for anyone who obviously you're in Bedfordshire, um, like if this could kind of link this podcast could link link you up with someone that'd be that'd be amazing. If there's kind of anything you want to add or anything you want to touch on, Jack, just just go for it. But it's been been great to hear. It's great to talk to pupils about their journey through schools because you know there's there's probably not enough of that done is there about that um that kind of catching up with pupils i guess who have been through the the the, the system to find out what their views are and it's, it's the best place to find that information on where we can improve isn't it surely yeah no of course i completely agree with you well i've been open and in contact with with both of my ex um, education providers and Bank. I've been in touch with them since I left because of the impact they made on my life and so they know that you know I want them I would hate it that when one of these people teachers don't get praised because they're not getting as you're right you don't want to make it political but the way that schools are judged they're not getting praised by these factors are they they're not they're league, as you say league table statistics they're stacking up against them. So at least they can have someone say, actually, you know what, you've done, you've done a, a flaming good job. Yeah, which is, which is great to hear. And I'm sure like, I'm sure people appreciate, appreciate hearing that. So yeah, like Jack, great chatting to you. Um, thank you for giving us your time and giving, giving us and people, hopefully a bit of an insight to, to your journey through education. I think what you want to do about, helping them making a difference to, to other people's lives i think i think you can you can do that and i think you will do that um i can tell by you know the way you your kind of body language changed when you were talking about that that again describing it similar to jeremy when he got passionate he stood up and i could tell by the way you talk, spoke about it you know it's 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 clear so just absolutely go for it and yeah do whatever you need to do if there's anything we can do just let me let me know and like I say, thanks for coming on and, and having a chat and sharing your story. No, it was it was the pleasure was mine. Thank you very much. Good man. Cheers, Jack. Cheers.